So, we continue today in our series in the Gospel of John, and the message title being, didn't expect that, Paulina is going to come and uh, read today's passage, so follow along in your Bible as she does. If you don't have a Bible, the Scripture's on the screen, and uh, I've got a Bible for you if you don't have one. Tom, is it the white mic that she could grab, the white uh, rubber band there? Perfect. Thanks for reading our Scripture today, Paulina, from John 2, 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And they were set there, six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tested the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Thank you very much, Paulina, for reading scripture today. The wedding in Cana is the setting, as most of you know, for the very first of seven signs performed by Jesus in the Gospel of John. And John uses the term uh, signs to show that these events point beyond themselves to the truth that the kingdom of God has come among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Of course, they're also called miracles uh, because these things don't naturally happen. Uh, the, the, one, uh, the one who controls the physical and the natural realm uh, with all of its astounding scientific laws that he himself has put in place, he can create outcomes that are miraculous, supernatural, or beyond the natural realm, of course. That's what, that's what he did here. And it, sh it shouldn't be surprising, but there are a number of uh, didn't expect that moments here. D didn't expect Jesus to do a miracle before he really wanted to as you may have picked up in the text as we read it there. Didn't expect a miracle like that for some of us. Didn't expect Jesus to provide a solution to keep a party going. That might be very surprising for some of you if you've got a, actually I would say a, a skewed version of God, you know, that he's a killjoy. Apparently not. We lean, or, we, or rather we learn right at the beginning of this historical narrative in John, and, and that's exactly what it is. John, the gospel, all four gospels, they are historically reliable documents. 
of the life of Jesus. His death, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. But, but we learn right at the beginning that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at this wedding celebration, as were Jesus and his disciples. So my, I don't know, my imagine kicks in, uh, imagination kicks in here. Uh, I think about Jesus and his disciples. You know, after long days of ministry, uh, moving about from place to place, and, you know, tiring, travel can be tiring at the best of times, much less on a donkey or walking across those dusty, rocky paths from from town to town and all of it that that they did together in their ministry. Well, they're, they're, they're getting in the mindset. It's probably summertime, let's say. Maybe it's summertime all the time there. I don't know. But uh, they're getting in the mindset of being able to just enjoy their Saturdays together as a group of buddies. Working hard those weeks in ministry. And they're they're just looking forward. Maybe they're talking about what they're going to do. And the wedding invitation arrives. Maybe guys know what I, where I'm going with this more than the ladies. I'm not sure that's a pretty stereotypical comment, isn't it? The UPS driver jumps off his donkey, comes to the door. It's addressed to Jesus and the disciples. Wedding. First thought. Well, that's a day that's blown the whole day. Not going to be able to go water skiing that day now. Did I say that out loud? Who, who would think that? Silly imagination. And, and I'm one to talk. <laughs> Miriam and I did that to all of our friends on the long weekend of May, way back in 90, 1987, when we got married. And, and I just thought I'd share, you know. I don't know why. I mean... White tux, really, Marlo? Wow. Anyway, next slide. Um, Yeah, the weather on that day was absolutely beautiful, for which Miriam and I were very grateful, but I'm also sure resulted in some, probably mostly guys, groaning. And then they wake up that morning, and their wife has set out the suit they're going to wear, Maybe not. That's uh, um, but it's beautiful outside, and they're they're you know they're thinking about oh well, guess we'll have another day when we're out on the boat or out on the golf course enjoying this beautiful weather. But you know what? We were 23, and we thought everybody who possibly could would love to be a part of celebrating our love together. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure. Um, John quickly gets to the crux of this of this wedding situation that the host had run out of wine. Now, hospitality uh, was a very important part of that culture, and uh, failing to provide sufficient uh, food or drink for guests would have been viewed as extremely embarrassing, especially at a wedding. And so Mary quickly told her son, they have no wine. She's panicked. Yeah, they ran out. Can you believe it? And uh, some commentators even think that it's possible that Mary had been involved in the planning of this wedding party, which would be one explanation for her significant concern in this, if uh, makes sense, but who knows. 
But, you know, it's tough enough, isn't it? Not that I would know from experience. I mean, I look at Sandra Brady and the team planning for one meal for a decent-sized group of people with Alpha these last eight weeks this fall here. And as a, how, how, do you, how do you know how much to make? I mean, much less for a whole wedding reception. And in that day, at that time, culturally, a seven-day celebration that you're providing for. Crazy. So... There they were, running out of, 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 of wine. But Mary's on it. She knows, she knows where to go for this whole thing to be rescued. To Jesus, her son, who just happens to also be God the Son, thus the one who created everything. I think we also need to take note of the fact that this miracle took place at a wedding. That is... That, that's significant. Um, because the common thought uh, among many theologians is that Jesus, by being there, was also putting his stamp of approval on the idea, God's idea of marriage. He was putting his stamp of approval on the, the marriage covenant that God had established. And again, that makes sense since he spoke to the pattern. Jesus spoke to the pattern of God's design for marriage in Matthew 19. He reiterated there the creation order. That marriage is between a male and a female in God's perspective and design. And and, and Jesus specifically says so. And then Jesus describes marriage further. He says, a man leaves his parents and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. That's the union that God blesses. That's his design for marriage as he created it to be. That's the design for sexual intimacy. None other. And so... That truth and, and, and Jesus' perspective of it must inform our behavior as Christ followers. In other words, God intends that we save. This wasn't planned. We had this John series, and then this came later, and that was the Sunday. I just thought of that now. It's wild. Uh, but it's an important topic. It's important for our lives in all kinds of ways. God intends that we save the beautiful gift of sex for marriage. It means, it means things like uh, if, if you're living together and not married, the Christ-honoring thing to do is to live separately and abstain from sex until you're united under God in marriage. Assuming that that's the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, of course. And that seems, that seems archaic in our culture, doesn't it? But don't be deceived by the culture. The culture does not dictate God's way for you. God's word dictates God's way for us as Christ followers. And it's abundantly clear. Seems archaic in our culture, but there are so many reasons why honoring God's design for sex is the healthiest and most beneficial and joy-giving thing to do emotionally, relationally, and of course spiritually. 
as we honor the, the way of Jesus in this area of our life and every area of our life. And, and that's what you'll learn and experience and grow in and with the, connecting with a ministry like Restored Ministries. Or if you're married and you've never invited Jesus into your marriage to be the source of love and grace that you need in that relationship, you can do that today. Maybe you just need to start, by, be, by, start at the beginning by surrendering your life to Christ as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life and the leader of every relationship and every part of your life and certainly your marriage. Well, at that point, you can, you, you can then bring a supernatural dynamic into your marriage to strengthen it and deepen it. And who doesn't need that? doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But you've got the resource in God. The, God and the resources He brings in who He is and what He can do to revolutionize your marriage, if that's what you need. So back to the narrative in John. Mary said, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Look at Jesus' response. It's, it's, I find it intriguing. In verse 4, woman, that does not... That, or what, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. No, you need to know that Jesus was not being disrespectful to his mother here. It was a term, woman, it was a term of, of respect and affection, uh, some of the commentators made reference to. And you, you remember the other time that Jesus referred to his mother that way was when he was on the cross. It's an expression of compassion. And Jesus' comment, what's that got to do with me? can sound, you know, a little callous to us, maybe even. But, but he was right. It, it wasn't his problem. And as he said right after that, it, it, it's, not, it's not my time, really. Not my problem. If that was a Canadian wedding, this would be, this would be the problem of the father of the bride. I, I've been one of those twice. And I, I, I was actually surprised by the pressure the moment I walked into the reception hall, a hotel in Nisku there where or just over 10 years ago, Chris and, and Cody were married. And I walked into the hotel room, the ballroom, and uh, on that hot August day, and that room seemed even hotter. And I'm going, what is going on? We're going to have this room filled in an hour. It's going to be twice as hot. I, you bet I found the maitre d'. What's happening? You know, did someone turn the AC off? Is it being fixed? What's going on? And yeah, that was the big pressure of the day. Um, but, you know, as a host, you want to provide a good and comfortable environment for your guests. In John 2, Jesus was not in any way responsible for how that celebration rolled out. Remember, he gave up a day of water skiing for that, right? So, but he, he, was, he was correct in saying, it's not my problem. And we need to know that this statement was, uh, as I alluded to a moment ago, it was, it was closely tied to the fact that Jesus wanted his mother to clearly understand that there was a God-ordained timetable for when he was to reveal publicly uh, who he was through his miracles. And by his comment, my time has not yet come, he meant that he had not intended to, to start doing public miracles yet. However, knowing Jesus, moved by compassion, he decides to go ahead and take care of this. Quietly. I mean, word kind of gets out, but... 
Well, I guess it could be that he was also moved by his mother, <laughs> who turns to the servants even before it appears, even before getting permission, doesn't appear she got permission from Jesus to do so, and she just is given directions. You know, right? <laughs> do what he says. Whatever he says, do it. Come on, this is Jesus. You know who he is? Do whatever he says. Precisely, do it quickly, and uh, we have to get this celebration back on track. Mary is just, just stepping in. Type A mom. Anyone relate? Don't put your hands up. Keep them down. Jesus loved her. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's quite possible that on occasion Jesus could be seen rolling his eyes and saying, Mom, I think. Mary knew that Jesus was truly unique from well, from when the angel visited her and told her that she would conceive and, and give birth without ever having physical relations with a man, which, by the way, was an important part of him being sinless and not taking on the sin nature that's passed down generation to generation since the Garden of Eden, right? Which is crucial for our salvation another discussion for another time. Mary's words to the servants, whatever he says, do it, are words that we must also take seriously in our daily lives as Christ followers. The call, the call of Jesus on our lives to obey in all things can be scary. Met this morning with five individuals that are going to be baptized I guess there was four there. There's one more. Next Sunday, right back here, baptism, obedience. Jesus said, oh, be baptized. Yeah, is it scary and a little awkward? What's this thing with the water? You know, like, but obedience to Jesus in his way of, uh, of using a physical, tangible thing like water and, and just explaining or, or de describing, expressing powerful spiritual truths of life transformation by his grace. Obedience can be scary. But there, I tell you, and many of you know this, on the other side of obedience and with some history uh, as a Christ follower, there is zero reason for being scared about, about obedience to Jesus because His will, His way is the very, very best. Absolutely the best. At this wedding, the very best response of the servants was obedience and they discovered that. So picking up John 2, 6, Jesus sees six uh, water pots made of stone as opposed to clay, pottery, for example. So, so it was less susceptible to contamination, which then made it uh, suitable for their, uh, the, the Jewish ceremonial uh, washing. But these stone water pots were about to be used for a whole new purpose. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And, and the servants, they, they were obeying. They, it says they filled them to the brim. I like that. Way to go, servants. You ever, thought, you ever think about this? Why did, why did Jesus bother with involving the servants? I don't know. 
I'm sure Jesus, you know, could have just spoken what we know. He, he could have just spoken the word and it would have been done all by himself. But knowing Jesus, he, I, I think it's very plausible that he, in this case, I, I believe it to be the case generally, that he, he wants people along for the experience, for the faith building that happens as we lean in to walking with him, to serving him, to ministering for him, uh, to trusting him. And that's, I, I think that's most definitely part of the, part of the picture here. Again, for their, for their own growth and trust in, who is this Jesus? What's he telling us to do? What? Look at this. This is crazy. What's going on? Who is this guy? He's worth following. All of those things were in play, I believe, here. And, and Jesus also wants, he does, he wants partners in ministry. He wants us to do what we can do so he can do what only he can do. What a great, what a great combination for life and ministry for us as Christ followers and collectively as a church. Fill the water pots. That's an invitation to partner. And the miracle doesn't happen until those water pots are filled. Here's an important question from this, this point. Very simply, self-reflection time. How is it these days, Christ followers, that you're partnering with God to see His work done in and through your life, your church, in your community? How is it that you're partnering with God these days? That's a question worth prayerfully pondering. And I, I just stand and pause because I hope and pray that this week there'll be this, this, this question will just come to you. By the, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. How is that looking 